Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. I work all week long. It's time for my money to work for me as well. <laughs> my name is Thomas. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? And what are you drinking this fine afternoon? Dude, I am great because we we just finished an episode. There was like a 12.7 ABV beer. And, and lately, I've been being oh, yeah. responsible. You're doing a barley having, wine. And I've been having like one beer per like two episodes, but I, I'm like getting white girl wasted over here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, I had a dogfish head 60 minute IPA. And okay. so I cracked that. And I mean, I, I'm sure most people know about this beer. It's just like this beer. If you need like your repertoire of like go-to beers that are awesome, that people will pre- I mean, this is this top. Nice. Well done beer. Um, speaking of dogfish head, have you tried their black lime sour? Whoa, no. I think, I think it's called the Sequench Ale, maybe? Mm, and it no. is, it's delicious. And Matt was telling me they took like four years to develop it or something like that. Um, wow. And I, I can't always find it in my local liquor store, but when I do, I buy it because it's amazing. And you should definitely go try it. I think it might actually be my favorite beer, like hmm. straight up. So, yeah, I think it's Dogfish Head Sequench Ale, I want to say, and it's delicious. But uh, I'm just drinking a little Lacra, as I'm as I Very do. Nice. Yep, I had a giant uh, French press carafe full of Rooibos last episode, but I'm switching over to bubbly sparkly water. No beers in the podcast. What time is it for you right it's now? Two. It's two and o'clock, and I still have d- uh, video work to do after this. So I was going to say two o'clock. I'm just shocked you're not drinking a beer at <laughs> two o'clock. Yeah, I <laughs> only drink at night, and I mainly only drink on weekends now. So basically, <laughs> it just means I never drink on the podcast. At work, it used to be like my my uh, my alternate job where like occasionally we'd be able to get the team to go out for lunch, maybe like a few, one, two times a month, three mm-hmm. times. And it was my job to make sure we went to a place that served alcohol and <laughs> that I, I like gently coaxed everyone into drinking a lot during lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so it was your job to make everyone. Well, okay. I, I was about to say it's your job to make everyone horribly ineffective for the rest of the afternoon, but I forgot about the Balmer peak. Mm, so that's right. actually it's your job to get people to the bomber peak that's right I, I would make sure everyone got wasted when we come back to work <laughs> and everyone would have three and a half minutes of amazing work yeah. and then it would just be shit for, but, re- uh, for reference the uh the bomber peak is that mythical perfect sweet spot of blood alcohol content that makes you <laughs> actually more productive and then that's w- right. once you go over it it's a sharp <laughs> steep decline <laughs> <laughs> it, it lasts for oh such a brief time it, yeah and it doesn't last for very long uh, but there there have been a couple of times in my life where I'll crap, crack open a couple of beers and do some coding or designing and mm. it's it's pretty great actually uh, yeah. I just don't do it very often because I think that's it's it's not a habit I want to build mm. I don't want to like use beer as an energy drink <laughs> that's, well it's not it's but kind yeah. of a bad idea uh, okay so we're going to do a five questions today but before we get into our five questions we have to head on over to correction corner which is my newly made up name for the segment of the show where we correct something we fucked up on in a previous episode mm. um, and this is less like a fuck up and more just like us not knowing that numbers are changing big time. Mm. So, uh, and we had a, a listener reach out to us and tell us about this. So props Two, to that listener. Actually. Oh, props to both of them yeah. listeners then. Uh, so the first thing, we just did a, an episode about taxes and any tax deductions you can take. We got that out in time for, for April 15th and we mentioned the standard deduction numbers. Now, in 2017, I guess for the 2017 tax year, those standard deduction which you numbers, do in April of 2018. Yeah, so this mm. isn't gonna, this isn't a change that affects you now, um, but those standard deduction numbers were what we said they were. But the tax changes that they made uh, for 2018 have the actually quote unquote 
Trump tax plan thing. Exactly. Um, they have changed the standard deduction by a lot. So now the single filing status standard deduction is $12,000. For a head of a household, it's $18,000. And if you are filing as a married couple jointly, the standard deduction is $24,000. So Which in is effect, awesome. the standard deduction has basically doubled, hmm. which means everyone gets a tax break, I think. If if I'm if I'm not missing anything, yes, and unless you itemize, which very few people do. Although we would like you to itemize because we think you could. Though now this is going better. to disincentivize itemizing. It's hard to do better with this. Yeah, at the, you know at this point, like you have to do double as well for itemizing to even make sense. Mm. Um, and then there was a couple of other things that I'm going to let you take because I actually don't know. Sure. So, um, we, I don't know what we said the HSA limit was, but, uh, it's actually 6,850. I think we're, we're off by maybe a thousand ish dollars and it's a day, not tax people, but sorry, we, we didn't mean to give the wrong numbers. And, and then review, also an HSA mm-hmm. is a health savings account, right? Yes. Yeah, so if you have a high deductible plan, uh, you, you get to pay less for uh monthly health care and you mm-hmm. also get you like unlock this tax advantaged account that you could okay. put into investments and blah 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 it's awesome gotcha super awesome and uh we miscategorized the backdoor roth i mean we me i miscategorized the backdoor roth saying it had to do with an hs saying it had to do with an hsa when really um it's a way for people who make a lot of income to uh, all still be able to contribute to a, a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to not go into it, but we will include a link in the show notes if you're interested. If you make a lot of money, you should be interested. Click the link. All right. Back Doran. Hmm. I guess that brings <laughs> us up to our five That's questions. That's one of the things that you don't just kind of say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're back Doran. And- <laughs> <laughs> question number one. I don't even know what I mean. Uh, all right, five questions. <laughs> question number one, uh, which is from Entrepreneur Jane in the Making. Hi, guys. Love listening to your podcast, and you guys have helped me so much and have given me so many great new ideas. In fact, I'm writing to you about one of them. I remember you said that when buying a rental property, you want to buy it as an LLC. So my question is, do I set up a new LLC for each new rental property? If my goal is to end, if my goal is to own uh, ten of them, do I need to have ten LLCs? So, so Mister Rental Property Landlord oh, let Man, me, let me put on my fancy. Uh, so, look, I think that um, you could be like a quote unquote purist and have every single one in its own LLC uh, that comes with its own overhead and its own headaches. Uh, what we've kind of through through internet research and just kind of analyzing our own situation have found a pro- more appropriate, we feel, is that uh, it's one property or total value up to 250000 into a single LLC. So if you have mm. a property that's worth 300000 then every property should be in its own LLC. Okay. If you have a property worth 50000 then you could fit five in a single LLC, you know, um, or, or potentially two to three if they're about a hundred, uh, and we, which is where Laura and I are, are shooting. So we have been doing about two. So what, what makes you set the bar at 250 K? I think, um, so, so the risk with, uh, putting multiple properties in the single LLC is that one has a major issue that cascade. So the the reason to have an LLC for your property is that it insulates the risk. So if say a meteor hits the the, the house, destroys the roof, and kills your tenant's dog, um, they can't sue you for the life of the dog beyond the value of the LLC. Mm. Um, and so they can't go after your personal assets or after any of the other LLCs that you own. And uh, which is awesome. And you should absolutely insulate your own wealth. Um, and then the question is, you know, the the paperwork, upkeep and related costs with the LLC uh, 
is it worth doing it for every property? And um, I think it's like a limited risk mm. up to 250. So uh, okay. there's kind of like, it, it was a general gist we got from researching online that Laura yeah. and I felt we agreed with. Okay. I guess my question is, could a tenant actually sue you if a meteor hit their dog? <laughs> well, m- maybe not, but I, I didn't want to like describe a, a really gruesome thing. <laughs> like, I think if I'm ever going to be a landlord, my contract will now have, we're not liable for meteor related pet deaths. <laughs> like if my gardener kills your pet, go ahead and sue me, but I won't be responsible for meteors. Thank you mm. very much. <laughs> I'm not installing meteor shielding in my buildings. <laughs> There's only only so much shielding in the world and a big enough meteor is going to bust through all of it. So. Damn right. <laughs> all right. Question number two. And this comes from James. Hey, guys. Huge fan of the podcast. Wednesday is the CT Powerball up to $1.3 billion. If you won, what would you do with it all? By the way, this is from this is a question from January twenty sixteen. Okay, uh, this is how fast we are at responding mm-hmm. to, e- to emails. <laughs> um, well, I don't know what would you do with one point three billion. I would immediately set up the most effective and efficient and non liability inducing way to transfer all of it to um, charity. Ooh. All of it. Wow. Now I'm just going to feel greedy responding to this. Unless, so um, I've one of my best friends loves to debate me on this question and he, he freaks out because my opinion is I don't want any money that I didn't earn because money I, is, a, is a store of value. It is mm-hmm. a representation of effort and, and value. And I don't want money just to be given to me. Now it's I don't I I take a different view on things like scholarships because a scholarship is like the prior collective effort represented the collective coming future. together to invest in somebody's future. Mm. Um I actually don't like the lottery and there's there's a great John Oliver episode about the lottery and how it's like marketed yeah, towards is. low-income people and you know it's basically like telling people who who own who who are earn very little money like oh you're probably gonna win like get someone excited about that and the fact of the matter is the lottery is a tax on ignorant and often poor people Mm. so i don't i wouldn't want to be the recipient of something that is literally just a drain on people who are ignorant and you know they their hope kind of uh outshines their logic in that area and the other thing is there are people out there who could do a lot more with that money than me um, and the reason that I would immediately try to transfer it to some other entity is that my specialty is not giving to charity effectively. So mm. whether it was to effective altruism or um, there, there are all sorts of like charity watch sites. I would probably try to contact one of them. I'd probably try to set up a corporation to hold that money in escrow before it was transferred and then try to transfer it over to somebody else. The only exception to this would be if I had like an immediate family member or like immediate friend who was like dying or something or had like a disease and needed money to cure it, I would make an exception because um, one of my philosophical underpinnings is that principles are almost never so strong that they cannot be broken in the correct context. Mm. Obviously certain are like you probably shouldn't murder innocent people. Like that, that's a pretty strong principle. But if there's an innocent person you hate, you could, you could stretch your principles. Is that what you're saying? No. Uh, <laughs> though if, if you want to like talk about principle stretching in that context, we could talk about the trolley car problem, um, which What's is the trolley very, car problem? uh, in, the trolley car problem is the trolley car problem is there is a runaway, tr- a runaway trolley car going down a track and, um, there's a bunch of people at the end and they're all going to die. There's like five people. They're all going to die and you can, you can change it or you can save them by flipping the switch to change the track so that the trolley car will hit a one guy who's standing on the other track. Mm. Um, they also call this like the fat man problem where 
it's like an additional like twist to the thought experiment where like, okay, this time you're not flipping the switch to change the track so that it'll hit the fat man and save the five people. Now you're on a bridge and you have the opportunity to push the fat man onto the track and it will stop the trolley car and save the five people. Oh. So a lot of people often say like they would flip the switch to kill one person rather than five people, but they wouldn't push the fat man. Because it's, it, like, it's abstracted. Like yeah, you don't it have just to goes to show like kill a person. Exactly. So like morals are often not grounded in principle. It's often grounded in like these these primal uh, desires or revulsions to thir- certain acts. Um, hmm. All that aside, though, I think that my my whole like lottery charity idealism thing there is the best. I, I would violate and everyone that. will feel shameful. <laughs> I would violate that if like my mom needed uh, money to get cancer cured or something but I wouldn't go buy a boat. I would just... So I, I think it's very admirable, admirable um, to donate it all to charity. And uh, Laura and I have talked a lot about this thing that we, we don't even buy lottery tickets. So it's we've talked far more about it than even the probability or the act of buying the things would whatever. But it's just, uh, I also, we also strongly agree that like um, getting... Uh, money that you didn't earn uh, would probably, I, I feel at least, and I, th- I think she might agree, that would be like the worst thing that ever happened yeah. in that uh, I would, I, it would, it would just be bad because you wouldn't value it like you do the mm-hmm. dollars that you sweat for. And I think that at the end of the day, if you want to be proud about the the contributions you've made to the world, um winning the lottery while awesome won't really contribute that said uh if i were to win 1.3 billion um i would calculate how many if so say i invested equally in the dividend aristocrats i'd figure out how much i need to live on um based on the dividend i would keep that um i'd be, maybe start a company but you know i probably should just donate to like bill gates's giving uh thing because there are a lot of charities that are awesome, but I fucking love Bill Gates yeah. and the, the his approach towards solving very specific problems analytically, I could really get behind. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, so he's actually a really good example of somebody that I would probably trust because he's dedicated a large portion of his later years to altruism. Uh, altruism. I mean, it's his so time he's steeped and in it. teams of people. Yeah, I'm not steeped in altruism, so I could mm. be like, you know, I donate to the um, Against Malaria Fund every single month, so I could be like, let's just give it all to the Against Malaria Fund. But like, at a certain point, like, should you actually spend one point three billion dollars on mosquito they nets? They wouldn't know what to do with that. Or would it be better That's to spend much. like a hundred thousand dollars on mosquito nets? And so, I've got certain things that I would probably want to put it towards. Like, I would probably donate some of it towards research on, um, you know, AI development that isn't going to kill us. Mm. Uh, research on responsible like, AI, yeah. Research on like alternative fuels and things like that. You know, like problems I see coming up in the future that could definitely use more research dollars. But there's going to be a lot left over that I am not the correct person mm. to make a decision on where it should go. Um, this also brings to mind another question that I've seen asked a lot, which is, uh, you wake up five years ago with all of your knowledge from now. What do you do? And everyone's answer is, oh, I go buy a bunch of Bitcoin. I put all my money in Tesla or I put all my money in in NVIDIA or whatever. And I'm like, I wouldn't do it. And I I, I hope I never find myself back in time because I, the temptation to do it would be so strong. If you, Mm. if it was a sure bet and you knew that you could make a zillion dollars by buying all the Bitcoin I th- like the thing I think is, it would it ruin you in the same way that it, that the lottery would ruin you because it will make you less happy. Yeah, it really, really will. And I, th- I think it's like for people who don't have money and are listening, like, well, exactly. I'm mean, gonna solve all my problems, but that's like day one or day two, and then you have like the rest of your life. And um, you know what? If you are if you are like really poor right now, or you're starving, or you're in poverty, then screw my ideals. Take some of that money and bring yourself yeah. up to a comfortable standard of living. But you I mean, deserve that. of of one point three billion, you need like point zero zero zero. Yeah. I mean, this is from this is from my vantage point. I live in you know I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a life where my needs are taken care of. 
So I'm looking I don't at you through video, and I'm unsure. Yeah. Is is that an ivory tower here right now? <laughs> uh, it is. I, I do believe that I'm standing on an ivory tower right now. Um, but no, I like to do this thought experiment sometimes. I think what what would have happened had I bought Bitcoin when I was like 18 years old, and then I sold it all at 23 and became a multimillionaire. You'd have like, a Lambo. What, what would have ha- I would have? Ha- I will have a Lambo. I will be on the moon. But if I was swimming in money, if I was swimming in so much money that I never needed to work again, would I have worked as hard? No. Would I have done the things that have gotten me to where I am now? That would have you gotten, have that made have given a dent in the universe? Exactly. Per have, the great Steve. Would I have contributed something useful to the world? Or would I have I simply just rested on my laurels because I knew that no matter how consumeristic I was, I'm going to have money left over. I think that Human beings are defined by their limitations and they're defined by the effort they have to put in. And if you're put into a situation where your effort means nothing because you have unlimited resources, Mm. number one, I do not think you're going to be a happy person unless you find a very positive outlet for your time that is uh, a generous outlet. And uh, you're not going to develop in as efficient of a manner as you would uh, had you had, you know, those limitations. I think that like people who are billionaires... (laughs) <laughs> one last thought here I think people who are billionaires those people have worked their way up so they've yeah. built like the mental structures to know that the, oh these are resources these are tools to continue contributing but when uh, you know one million times your current net worth is just dropped in your lap you don't know what to do with it mm. so I wouldn't want it yeah <laughs> I agree actually that would be the easiest yeah alright uh, question number three This is from Mary. My question is about budgeting without a regular paycheck. Our income is seasonal because we fish in Alaska and it's a self-employed gig, and we really don't know how much we're going to make until it's made. So how should I modify the budgeting tools to work with this, and how best should I make that money last all year? So basically entrepreneurship right there. Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing is when your income is seasonal... And when it is uncertain, you have to think on a longer time scale. You have to divide it out. Yeah. You can't think on a, a one year or one month time scale. Mm-hmm. Our friend Matt is a good example. Him, the majority of his income comes from a website that teaches people how to take care of their pools. So, so it's he like basically five makes, months yeah. at best. Like if you were to look at the calendar on a timeline uh, in his income, it would be like this mountain where it's a giant peak in like July and then during the winter months, there's like not much coming in. Hmm. So somebody who has a job like that, or if you're fishing in Alaska and for half the year, there's a big giant, you know, sheet of ice preventing you from fishing unless you get out your ice fishing gear. Uh, you need to look at a year long time scale, and maybe you're making a budget that is years long. So you're like, all right, what is rent? What does rent cost for the year? What are, you know, anticipated grocery expenses for the year? What is income for the year based on last year, based on maybe a five-year time period if you have that data, just in case this is a, you know, a bad year? Uh, You basically just have to start planning out much further in advance how you're going to make that money stretch. So, for example, if you made, say, 50000 in the year, I would just, like, take that number. You know, that's what you did last year. And maybe this is the best way to do it. And then you go into the assumption you're going to make as much, if not more. You'd put 50000 into the calculator. You do divided by 12, and that's $4,167 that you could spend every month. And so some months, maybe you make, I don't know, 20000 because you're getting most of it in like one or two months and mm-hmm. not a lot through the rest. You could still only spend 4166 or 4167 a month um and you need you need to like hold yourself accountable to that like when you get like big paychecks uh i i know because it's happened occasionally in my life whether it was the bonus or listen my matters did really good you want to like buy i don't know like we're getting a new mattress we're getting like new dressers <laughs> whatever we're going on vacation like you have to mm-hmm. control yourself do the 30-day list um so you have some cool down time and just, you, you have to hold yourself accountable. You could even, I mean, obviously the rate of return on this is not as good as an investment, but 
if you got a huge amount of money and you you didn't trust your own self-discipline, you could put like a good chunk of it in a CD, like a yeah. six month CD. And then six months later, like now you can actually access that. Uh, and I think with a CD, you can, you can pull it out with a penalty. So it's not like it's like a hundred percent locked in there, but it's at least, um, Martin likes to call it a spending firewall. <laughs> it's behind a firewall. I like that. And you know what? I, I actually think it's a really good point. You brought up that like, uh, if you're making a lot, say in the beginning of the year and you're going to need it at the end because it doesn't even out in terms of how you seasonally earn, uh, it wouldn't make sense to invest it because there could be a crash between when you earned it and uh, when you need it and it mm-hmm. won't be there if it's like halved in value. Um, so you could hold in your checking account or you could do short-term CDs, which mm-hmm. might be... A short-term CDs are like a slight level up on savings accounts. But yeah. the, I think the benefit in what, what you're getting at is that you actually can't spend it until the term is up. So like a savings account, you're like, you know what? We're getting the dresser yeah, or the bed. But with the CD, you're just not until it's up. So it might protect you from yourself. And I mean, another way you could do it is if you are like a self-employed fisherman in Alaska – set up a S corp or an LLC and set it up to pay you through payroll. And then like, mm. you could be like, all right, I want to make $60,000 this year. It's going to pay me roughly 4,000 a month. And you know, it's going to, it's going to automatically send in taxes. And um, then like once a quarter, if you want, you could do like a distribution, but you can't just be taking distributions all the time. Mm. You'll get in trouble with the IRS. So that's another like a little deterrent. So, I mean, I'm just trying to come up with the ideas here for for fighting against your own um, short-term self-interest because I like. it, it's tough, you know? Yeah. Um, this reminds me of something that Anthony Bourdain talks about in his Kitchen Confidential I book. I love Anthony Bourdain. Go on. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I just love the guy. Uh, he was talking about how like he worked at this restaurant where all of the line cooks, except him, had this system where they would pool their paychecks together every two weeks and then each two weeks there were like it was a rotation there like one guy would get everyone's paycheck whoa what? and then the Why? next two weeks a different guy would get everyone's paycheck so basically like it was this cycle of you basically like like starved and and scraped by on what you had for like six weeks and then when it was your turn you just got a shit ton of money and invariably they would just go out and blow it and live like a king for like mm. two weeks uh yeah <laughs> So I guess there are people who could earn regular paychecks out there who choose to do it that way voluntarily. (laughs) Um, And like like Anthony Bourdain, I do not think that I would elect to buy into a system like that. What if someone leaves and the new person who comes in just doesn't vibe with it? Like that's what he mentioned. He was like, what if somebody gets fired or leaves like, and they they don't pay me. I don't want to be part of that. My money's my money. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't recommend that, but there are certainly people out there who, Same. who like it that way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number four, which comes from another person named Thomas. I've been listening to your what show for almost- a great name. I know. It's a pretty good name, right? It's on the nickel. I've been listening to your show for a year now, and it's really helped me to get on an uh, even better page when it comes to my personal finances. So I'm 25, and I'm in a long-term relationship, and I'm working on managing our finances. I had a financial advisor due due to a friend. I'm not sure what that means. Mm. (laughs) I had a financial advisor. Oh, dude, he had one due to a friend who had Mm. an internship at a firm a few years ago. And I turned my girlfriend onto him, so now he has been managing both of our Roths And we also have whole life insurance policies. I think that I'm at the point of managing our finances without his help. Now, I'm not sure what I should do next. He's got a Roth accounts through American funds. Um, So do I just create create my own account and roll it over? What do I do about life insurance? The expense of the insurance doesn't make it worth it to cancel. I feel sort of trapped. So basically, this guy kind of feels like the financial advisor has his financial life in a vice grip. And he wants to manage it independently, but he doesn't know how to. So escape from the financial advisor. Essentially. Uh, so I would say um, if, okay. I, I, want, I want you to talk about the escape in the financial advisor thing first. 
but there's like whole versus term life insurance. And I think, Oh yeah. uh, So, um, I think life insurance is important. Um, we, I actually had had it and Laura and I need to reacquire it since I've left iHeart. But I think it's important because if you were to like die and someone's relying on you or just whatever, like it's kind of, you, you want good things to happen Mm -hmm. as a result. Not, not only bad, at least pay for your funeral, but whole life insurance and you could refer to previous episodes we'll link to like policy geniuses episode in the show notes a whole life insurance is for old people and it is expensive if you are i would say if you are 35 you should get term life insurance if you are 25 like holy shit first of all i mean you Probably don't need to pay for life insurance, but if you were going to pay for it, super get term because it's going to be way cheaper and you are so healthy and you probably shouldn't subsidize the cost of old people's insurance, right? Yeah. Um, So can you explain the difference between whole and term? So whole is like until you die. Term might be for the next 10 years, next 15 years. And so if you think about it, like if you were 25 years old and you bought term life insurance for the next 10 years, it would likely be way cheaper than if you bought term life insurance for the next 30 years. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. they offer 30 years, whatever, but like so much more can happen. You're going to be older. And so um, it's, it's going to be cheaper. And if you buy it at 25 for your whole life until you die, I mean, that's going to be just be way, way more. It's just, it just is. And perhaps your requirements of insurance change as you get older. So this okay. guy sold you on something that likely made him far more money than what you needed oh. because he, he was like, Hey, look, I know insurance and you should definitely get whole insurance because I get $500 when you get, and I mean, let's be real. This business, Listen Money Matters, is an affiliate business. So, so I I know, like, we need a term for financial advisors who don't have their clients' best interests in mind. Like a financial vampire. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that's kind of messed up already. Um, and I, and, I, and it seemed like in the the email that was sent, that was like the one saving grace. Like, well, we'll at least keep the insurance because it's cheap or whatever. Mm. Um, so I would say you've been sold shit. But but how would you break up, Thomas? So basically, this means like cancel life insurance and then go get mm-hmm. your own. Isn't there like a, a company that we advertise that does like life insurance for healthy people, like who are active and it's yeah. like cheaper? I forget the name. Mm. I'm gonna. I'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Or I'll um, remember it in like 30 seconds and interrupt <laughs> you. <laughs> and, uh, totally brain farting. Health IQ. Health That's IQ. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and if you're young and you actually go to the gym or work out, like they could probably get you cheaper. I'm guessing term life insurance. Oh no, they absolutely can. Yeah. yeah. Um. So cancel life insurance, and then. I don't know how to move that Roth account without asking him, but it is your money. So the worst he can say is, I don't want to, but I'm going to anyway because I'm legally obligated to do so. All right. So I'll I'll tell you what's up. You have a Roth account with however many dollars in it. That is your account. He has access to your account. Perhaps he has some sort of like custodial privileges to the account. But that is your account, and it will be with Fidelity or Bank of America or whoever you've chosen to, to host it with, or he's chosen to host it, it with. It says American Funds right here, which I've American, never heard of. Well, I, so I wasn't sure if it was like that that was the name of the company that he's buying funds through, but fine. Oh, so, okay. say, say it's American Funds. Um, one, I mean, you could remove access for him from mm-hmm. him, uh, but, I, but I wouldn't even like worry so much about that. I would uh, just make sure that you have logins to all the accounts. So the first email or emails you could send or, hey, I just want to log in, see what I'm doing, check the funds I'm invested in, make sure you have access. Um, And uh, from there, you can just do a rollover, right? Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, I don't know what American Funds is, but having not heard of it, being doing this for five years and all these emails, I'm going to say that you could probably do better. Um, 
Yeah, when I Google American funds, there's not even a Wikipedia page that comes up, uh, but apparently it's part of Capital Group. Have you heard of that? Mm. Oh, my God. If you just go to AmericanFunds.com and you look at their webpage, it, it just reminds you of one of the things that you don't want to participate in. Like, <laughs> is this a scam? Maybe. Uh, look, you could roll it over to Vanguard, roll it over to Betterment, whatever. Um, I get that it's a family friend, uh, that you've been doing it for a while with them. Uh, you just have to I don't to think be- it's actually a family friend. It looks like it's just like a friend had an internship at this firm and then hooked him up with an advisor there. And then he left. So, Well, yeah. okay. So, uh, if, if you don't care about the people there, then it's easy to break up. I figure if, if it's hard to break up, you just have to be real and like, look, um, we just want, just say we want more. We want to control our finances ourselves. Nothing yep. against you. Nothing against the work that you do. You've done excellent work. We super appreciate it. Uh, but we just want to do it ourselves now as part of adulting. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's good. Uh, question number five from Erica. Do you have a certain list of items or products that we should invest in? From a recent pro- uh, podcast, I recalled you saying purchase you should purchase quality clothing that you could uh, can save you in the long run rather than purchasing from like H&M. Uh, you also said quality mattresses. Any other items? What If you had to like name five items, just five items, not counting your computer, Thomas, <laughs> or your phone. Do, I don't even be- know if computers or phones count because like, Good. They don't. They don't. So tell me five items, your five most important life items. My five most important? I don't know if Thing. I can do most important, but I can name stuff. What do you stuff. mean? It's not your phone, not your computer. Just five most important. I mean, like, you got this. I don't. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of important things to my life. Five. Top five. <laughs> That's it. Um, A good chef's knife. Okay. Because if you buy a shit quality knife, it's going to dull faster. It's going to, when it's dull, you're not going to cook because you're going to be like, fuck, I have to sharpen it. You don't want to. And then you're going to eat out. You're going to spend a bunch of money and your knife's going to suck. And you're never going to cook. And you're going to be mm. unhealthy. So buy a good quality chef's knife. One single chef's knife. You do not need a ridiculous set of 50 knives that people give for Christmas presents. Those are basically Excessive. like a kitschy, you know, gift for people that don't know how to cook. Uh, you go now. We're gonna we're gonna alternate so I can. Okay, think. so you have time. To, yeah. <laughs> so so in no particular order for me, but I'll give you I'll give five. Uh, I would say a sick backpack. Um, mm. I want to be on the go. My my aspiration in life is to be on the go. I'm often not on the go, but when I travel or work in the city or whatever, I want to be able to carry my stuff. I don't want to sweat profusely because of the way the backpack is. And so I think investing in a good backpack is not a lot of money um, and perhaps enables you to do things. So okay. for me. Um, on a similar note, a high quality bicycle. Mm. Because what I learned from moving from like a Walmart bike to a, a base road bike, it's a zillion times faster. And just so much more solid. And I don't know. I love riding my bike and it gets me tons of exercise and it lets me get around my city without driving. I was hoping so that, you that was a good ta- investment. I was hoping you're going to talk for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I can come up with other ones. A backpack is definitely a good one. And I definitely agree with that one. Um, um, musical instruments. So what I'll say about these is if you are like, I'm interested in playing guitar, Buy a cheap guitar, but once you've proven to yourself that this is something you really like to do, I have found that spending a good chunk of money on a quality instrument, it just improves the, uh, it, it improves the experience of playing so much. Mm. Now, this is something you got to do once you're serious because a lot of people will be like, I want to play the drums. And you know, if you go and spend like 1500 bucks on a set of drums and then you decide you don't like it in two weeks that's a waste. You should buy a starter kit. But I, I think this is something that applies to really any hobby or pursuit that you're, you're interested in. Like once you get past starter phase and you realize like, Oh, this could be a part of my life. It's worth it to invest in the quality tools or the quality, you know, things you need for it. Whether it is cooking gear, I bought a $150 pan because I want to cook on the best stuff. 
Um, I did get a floor model, so I got it for like 80 bucks, but it usually costs mm. 150 bucks. And that's, it makes way better food than like a crappy Walmart pan that I've been using ever since college. Okay. I, I got, I got two. Um, so one, uh, I, I think that, uh, your inputs. So, you know, people, mm. I, I, I always love the analogy or I don't know, or I had this friend who, who had told me back in college, maybe it's someone famous or something like this, but people put premium gas into their shit cars and they'll put shit gas into their premium bodies and just, yeah. uh, you, you like, and I think you really get this as you get older. And you're, mm-hmm. you're totally not there, Thomas. We'll talk in 10 years when all your shit's failing in the worst ways possible. Like you, your body just- But I eat good work. food. I'm not going to be like, well, my body won't be failing in 10 years. <laughs> I eat good food. I'm not going to be like, Andrew. <laughs> I'm doing something <laughs> wrong if my body's failing in 10 years. You, you should invest in, not like overpaying for like, I don't know, beef Wellington and you know maybe once in a while enjoy that, but just- non-processed healthier ingredients like it's the gas for your body yeah. it should be good and to eat slightly real hmm? eat real food yeah it, it shouldn't come out of a box for the most part <laughs> and once you can afford it uh stop buying like the literally like the cheapest ground beef from walmart right like i mean and if you think of the money that you could shave off on other things you do versus mm-hmm. getting like I, you just want to put the best stuff in. This, this is the only body you got. Yeah. Um, and I got and one. Not, go ahead, oh, tell keep me. going though if you want no, to. No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. Headphones. Mm. Um, music is a big part of my life and I have also found that my noise-canceling headphones allow me to do work basically anywhere. So they've just expanded the places that I can go do work. Uh, they make airplane flights a lot. Oh, more yeah. tolerable. Uh, yeah, I think buying my my Bose QC35s is like one of the purchases that I regret the least mm. for me. So, so I had one and kind of lost it. Oh, so you're using Bose headsets. Uh, good mouse for your computer. Good mouse. I think that goes back to the tools thing. Like if you're going to use your computer a lot, Invest in good input devices. If you're using a crappy like five dollar mouse oh. and a five dollar keyboard, and you're on that thing all day long, like, come on. So okay, the two the two for me is um, if you are going to, I mean, not if you should through your life do things that you enjoy and that are splurges and are for pure enjoyment or whatever. And I think that uh, better you cut on everything. And then when you're going to actually uh, decompress, relax, enjoy yourself, travel the world, uh, you should um, spend a little bit more and really get the experience that you you want, that you need. Um, I think, I guess my feeling is that, uh, like for example, Laura and I will uh, not spend on most anything. And we will, I don't think that we're cheap, but we will certainly cost cut everywhere. But when we travel and do things, we are, we are so willing to spend because that is our time that we earned. Yeah. That um, makes sense. So, so I feel strongly about that piece. Um, and then I, I feel like it's kind of cheating. Maybe not. We were like not computers, but I spend my life in front of the computer. And so, uh, I think a really good monitor or display on your laptop is super important. And I think you can really only know when you go from like whatever normal is to retina. Um, Mm. It just, if you could not strain your eyes, because look, you're going to be staring at computers until you die. Um, But look, the last thing, um, and this is maybe uh, goes either way. Uh, I think that you should pay for things that make you healthy. Um, we pay for yoga. Uh, mm. In terms of the gym, there there are gyms in Hoboken. They'll pay. They'll charge you sixty something dollars a month. We pay for Planet Fitness. They charge like ten dollars. You get access to everything that you would in another gym. Only I don't know. They don't say that you're awesome when you enter. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the difference is. They, I don't they know actively why. encourage you not to go. 
Well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> how many gyms can you go to bike on a reclining bike for 45 minutes and then grab a bagel on your way out for free? <laughs> That's how they keep you subscribed. That's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, know, I know. Or pizza on Wednesdays. Mm. Uh, anyways, I, I we, we do yoga, um, the gym. I, I think it's something that is whatever it is that that gets you going. Um, you you should pay for it because look, your your health is the most important thing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, I've spent some money, not a ton but some to turn my office into an area where I can actually do some exercise during a break. Mm. So I bought a door frame pull-up bar, which is one of the best things I've ever bought. Um, a Why can't pair, I see it? Uh, you Because there's a big <laughs> soft box in the way and also my door oh, is okay. mostly closed. But the reason that I record without the door fully closed is because the pull-up bar is always there mm. and I don't take it down. Um, I bought a single pair of 15 pound dumbbells and I also bought something I've always wanted, which is an Indo board, which is like a balance board. So it's like a piece of wood and then a cylinder. And even if I don't want to go to the gym or don't have time, I can do 10 pull-ups. I can do some, uh, dips and some curls and some uh, overhead shoulder presses with the dumbbells. It's obviously not like the working, uh, working set weight that I usually use, but it's like enough to just engage my muscles and give them something to do every 30 minutes or so that isn't locked into typing position. Mm. Uh, and then the, you know, the balance board is just fun and keeps me uh, in good balance. So I just have a few things that are here so I can do a quick little, like little workout without See, having to leave. You know what? To like to tie a bow on this one, I would say that, uh, actually not much, you know, we, we have five and five, but I think we both kind of racked our brains, uh, for things because honestly, uh, there are not many things that you need and, uh, you know, the things that should be quality are, I guess are ones that will wear out easily or compromise your health. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a few like parting thoughts on this question. Tell me. Um, all right. So one you may be able to spend the same amount of money for a super high quality piece of used gear versus a lower quality mm. new thing, such as finding you know a really nice dining room table on Craigslist that has minimal damage and minimal wear. It would cost you the same as like a cheap table from Ikea. We got a certified pre-owned DSLR. It was like yeah. half price almost. You know. Actually, yeah, if you're, if you're getting into photography or videography, uh, buying used gear can often be a good investment, especially like the camera body itself. Usually it's not going to have a whole lot of defects. Like wait till um, you're like super pro and be. making money from this before you pay full price for the most whatever thing. Yeah. Or if you know you're really into it, mm. like I'm not making money with my music, but my first guitar that I bought here was 300 bucks. And then I eventually upgraded to one that costs about 10 times that much, mm. but it was so worth it to me because music is a big part of my life. Uh, I'm not making money on it, but like it was worth it to me. It, it inc- improves the quality of my life in a way that I, I know will last. Right. Um, so there's the, yeah, the used gear thing. And then the other thing is you're going to see a lot of people being like, oh, you sh- if you're going to buy a pair of dress shoes, you just need to go straight to Allen Edmonds and buy $350 dress shoes. Yeah, You'll okay. see this a lot if you go to like Reddit. Like there's subreddits like male fashion advice. There's mm. subreddits like r slash buy it for life. But it's actually a pretty good resource if you if you want like an actual list of things that are high quality. That's a good subreddit. Boom. But you got to ask Including yourself the question. Buy it for life. Okay. You got to ask yourself the question: How often am I going to use this? So I own a very lo- good looking suit, and I own very good looking dress shoes, but I wear them about twice a year. Yeah. So I did not buy three hundred and fifty dollar Allen Edmonds shoes because I'm not wearing them to work every day. I'm wearing mm. them twice a year. And it doesn't matter if they're built like a tank. My yeah. $150 uh, Cole Haan shoes they look just as good as Allen Edmonds, and they're probably going to last me just as long because I don't wear them that often. So Exactly. Unless it's going to be a workhorse for you, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I did spend $300 on a pair of Iron Ranger boots because I wear them basically every day. And, you know, that's worth it. Those will probably last me until I die. And, you know, when you're going to wear something every single day, 
that's a good question to ask yourself. But, you know, if you're going to only wear a tux once in your life, don't buy a tux. Rent it. I need Iron Ranger boots. I just Googled it. They look pretty cool. They are pretty cool. There's mm. probably like a shoe store around your corner because you live in basically NYC. <laughs> uh, uh, I will tell you there is a break-in period where they will not be very comfortable. They, they look like they need to be broken in. <laughs> I mean, but look, once I, they're I, broken in, they are the most comfortable shoes you'll ever own. I want to be like Thomas, but I don't want nubs for toes <laughs> for <laughs> for during the break-in period. <laughs> no, no, no. It, they will not hurt like that. Um, actually, mm. when they fit you for Iron Rangers, you're going to get a boot that your toes don't even hit the edge. The mm. reason they're uncomfortable is because the footbed is totally flat and like the leather isn't supple yet. So oh, it hasn't like okay. conformed to your foot. It's just kind of like this clunky, stiff boot that is kind of a pain to walk on. Mm. But once you've broken it in, it is amazing. Like it, it is actually the most comfortable shoe I own. It's not just marketing hype. They're right about that. I mean, look, if just someone was to describe me, like, what is Andrew? I would want them to say Iron Ranger. He's an Iron Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There's your reason for buying it. In fact, I should probably start <laughs> telling my friends that this is how they should describe me so that... Uh, <laughs> if uh, people were describing me, I would want them to say uh, Taser Face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's a name that strikes fear <laughs> into the heart of my enemies. <laughs> All right. So those are our five questions. Um, as always, we're going to have links to things we talked about, extra resources that you can check out in the show notes. So head on over to listenmoneymatters.com slash show to find those show notes. Or if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts or some other podcast app, if you're choosing, you can probably tap on our faces or swipe or I don't know, enter some incantation into your phone's microphone to bring up those show notes and check out all the links to the stuff we mentioned. Otherwise, if you want to find our favorite resources of all time, our favorite books that we recommend you read to increase your financial knowledge, you can find all of that over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. Check those out. Thanks as always for listening and we will see you in next week's episode. Later, man. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>